1: from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets biblical Christianity face-to-face. I'm Sean McCraney, your host. If you have family or friends who cannot watch the show live here or in Idaho or anywhere else, they can go to the internet, www.hotm.tv. And watch it live through streaming video, of course, at HOTM.TV. They can also watch any of the shows because they're all archived there. AM 820, The Truth. It's another avenue to listen to Heart of the Matter. It's an AM station out of Utah, 50,000 watts every Tuesday night from 8 to 9 p.m. Got Truth, go to AM 820, KUTR, The Truth. It's a fantastic Place for programming for Christians who are seeking to know the word and for seekers of truth who are seeking to know the Lord. Last Saturday afternoon, we held our annual outreach Burning Heart 08 at Sugar House Park. We were blessed by testimonies, fantastic music, tremendous food and fellowship, a gathering that kind of circulated throughout the day of probably about 600, they were thinking. In the evening, I had the uh, Absolute blessing to baptize 13 people into the body of Christ Including an entire family of seven the Lord blessed us with his spirit Which brought love and peace and unity and fellowship to all that were there Uh, Subway uh, Sandwiches provided great food Uh, There were churches that participated that uh, did great service Uh, Christ Evangelical came uh, good Shepherd Lutheran were there People traveled from California, Idaho, St. George, all attended. We thank you all for coming. All right, now we are planted in the colleges to the Salt Lake City and to the north on three college campuses. Get your pen and paper. Here we go, Sunday mornings from 9.15 to 10.15 a.m. We're at the University of Utah in the Webb Building, which is the Warnock Building, the Engineering Building, and in room 1230. That's on Central Campus uh, Drive. You can go to www.lordsword.org for more information. Then on Sunday evenings, we're at the U of U in the same place from 7 to 8. We're at Weber State in the Shepherd Union Building, room 331, which is on Harrison Boulevard in Ogden. And we're at Utah State University in the Nutrition and Science Building, room 202. It's also known as the Aggie Ice Cream Parlor Building. That's where you can get great ice cream. Uh, they're closed on Sunday. It's a place where uh, uh, you all these places you can come from 7 to 8 p.m. any Sunday evening and hear the Word taught verse by verse as a supplement to your learning the Word if you're going to a church or participating in a church, if they don't have an event planned for you that night. And if you don't have a church, come and make this one yours. www.lordsword.org. Come and uh, see us. We want to thank all of you everywhere, people in our audience, people in our viewing audience, for your support in some very meaningful ways. We appreciate your prayers. There's nothing, nothing more important uh, to our ministry than your prayers, and we thank you for them. We thank you for your time to volunteer, to share our ministry with your neighbors, your family, your friends, for telling people about uh, Heart of the Matter and for volunteering your precious time to help us out. And we thank those who have been led by God to support us financially. All these avenues of support mean more to us than you will ever know, at least on this earth. May the Lord bless you as you follow His leading in your life. Just a little FYI, we are very far behind on answering our emails. We apologize. It's a very busy time of year. We're about 500 emails behind, but we're going to catch up and please be patient with us. And before we get into the message tonight, I need to address something again here on the air. While we seek to share uh, Jesus with all peoples, it's our primary mission and ministry to reach out to the LDS with the biblical gospel of Jesus Christ. We seek to have all Latter-day Saints experience spiritual rebirth and establish a relationship with Jesus Christ which transcends religious allegiance. This being the case, we are not here to give LDS members equal time in an effort to combat with us or to argue with us or muddy the waters of truth unless, unless they are official representatives of the Mormon church. Now, critics often ask us why we will only have official representatives on the show. It's not because official representatives are the only people who know LDS doctrine and history. It's because only official representatives of the church are under the obligation to speak the truth and the reality of Mormon doctrine, which is probably why they won't come on the air. Where an official LDS representative must respond with Mormon truth, non-official LDS members can and usually do say whatever is necessary to make Mormonism sound like the truth. Our position is irritating to a small but maniacal group of LDS people who have somehow decided that it is their job to defend the church with their wisdom. These guys remind me of the rabid Star Trek fans of old who are known as Trekkies. Make no mind that Star Trek was pure fantasy. The Trekkies insisted on spending all their free time defending it as though it was a reality. Even William Shatner told them to get a life. Well, these Mormon Trekkies, these Mechies, are not going to get any voice here on Heart of the Matter. Why would we give them a voice? Let's say, for example, that our ministry was an outreach to unwed pregnant teen girls Uh, and let's say we wanted to give these unwed pregnant teen girls hope and to reassure them and to promote the idea that they should have their child and not resort to abortion because this action will actually bless their lives in the long run. Wouldn't it be counterintuitive for us to allow people to call in and give them a voice to influence these same girls to have an abortion? for them to present their twisted arguments and muddy the water of what our ministry is seeking to do. It would. This is the thinking of the self-appointed Mechies. Somehow they think it's their right to call in on the show and muddy the waters with their dementia. So if you are a searching Latter-day Saint, or if you have a legitimate question, even as a faithful Mormon believer, we welcome your calls and your emails and your comments. But if you're a Mechie, don't call us. Don't try to come through uh, because your own church leaders want you to stay away from them. We want you to stay away from us too. And with that, let's open with a prayer. Dear Lord, we love you and we need you in our uh, lives every minute of every day. We pray for your spirit to uh, come through the television that I'll be able to say what you want me to say relative to this topic. You'll bless our audience viewing and live. You'll bless our volunteers. And the ministry is we reach out to those who are searching for a relationship with your Son, even Jesus Christ. Amen. Years ago, I went door to door through Pennsylvania representing Mormonism as a missionary. I would have a flip chart in hand, and we, many times, would ask three questions on the flip chart. We would open it up, and the three questions would say in big uppercase, uh, book Antigua lettering, Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? Now, there have been all kinds of myths and fables and stories told over the ages as a means to provide answers to these three questions. Science fiction writer L. Ron Hubbard told his fables and answers to these questions, and people today who follow him are called Scientologists. Mary Baker Eddy had her three answers to these questions, and people who accept her answers are called Christian scientists. If you come up with a story and press it strongly enough, emphatically enough on unsuspecting people, you can get them to follow your version of where did I come from, why am I here, and where am I going to. As an LDS missionary, I presented searching people with answers that came straight from the mind of one man, Joseph Smith. Tonight I want to readdress and reanswer these very questions but instead answer with what the Bible teaches and not what Joseph Smith said. So first, where did I come from? Joseph Smith said that we have always existed everybody here on earth. Before coming to earth he said we were spirit matter which even God couldn't create, living in a pre-mortal existent state. This fantasy is truly at the core of Mormon teachings today. I would suggest that the teaching of a pre-existence and the fable and fantasy world that goes along with it is emphasized more in Mormonism as a whole than Jesus Christ. Well, where did we come from? The first four words in the book of Genesis give each and every one of us kind of a definitive summation in answer. It says, in the beginning, God. Not in the beginning, we, but in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Think about this for a minute. He created the heaven, all things above us, and he created the earth, all things beneath our feet. He created all things where Genesis 1.1 says God created the heavens and the earth, John 1.1, which is a parallel in some ways to Genesis 1.1, says, uh, speaking of Jesus, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. All things made by God, who John says is Jesus Christ. From the macro level of the universe to the micro level of the atom, the cell, all things created by Him. The heavens, trillions upon trillions of light years in every direction and expanding, galaxies without numbers, holding stars and planets without numbers, holding solar systems without numbers, more than the sands of the sea, God created them. Then within the heavens, concourses of angels, beings that are a little bit higher than man, of different ranks and different orders and different powers. And then within this unfathomably vast universe of universes, Jesus created a thing called Earth. Within an atmosphere, in mountains, desert, land, sea, sky, clouds, sequoias, pines, oaks, palms, whales, gorillas, giraffes, elk, lion, Dogs, cats, mites, tsetse flies, cells more, with more complexity than any man-made uh, industrial complex on earth. A little tiny cell, more complex than anything man has made. A planet so vast, so complex, so incomprehensible, He created in the beginning. Then God decided to create a being that was different from all other creatures on earth. Because this creature was created in his own image, three in one. This being could reason, worship, make choices based on the higher power's influence. This being could enjoy and explore and relate to God, its creator. And God created this being to enjoy the earth he made. And so this being would continue to love it, enjoy it, and have relationship with God. That's why God created this being. The first of these beings was called Adam. The second, which God took from Adam, was called Eve. Quote, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. This is where you and I came from. God Created us from the dust of the ground and made us alive by his breath into the first man, Adam. Genesis does not say, and God took the pre existent spirit of Adam and injected it into the body he had created for him out of eternally existing matter. Once God breathed into the nostrils of the first man, Adam, and made him a living soul, this breath of God is passed down to each of us procreatively and through each generation. So the second question, why are we here? There are actually two parts to the, in answer to this question. The first question is, why were we initially here, and then why are we here now? Initially, we were created, as I said, to enjoy the blessings uh, of earth that God had created for all of us and to have fellowship with Him. This was the plan. God is the God of living, not the God of the dead. Living things, are const- they are constructed, they're thriving, they're full of life, and dying things are full of decay. God created man perfect, and in this state, So that he could have fellowship with him, and he did. God had fellowship with the first man and woman. He told these first souls what to do and what not to do. But being God, and this is so important, he gave them the complete right to choose. All right? If He didn't, He would not be a good God for us to love and to want to have fellowship with. Instead, He would be a despotic God, a demon of sorts, a kind of like a horrid child who creates clay figures and then forces them to do His exact will. But this is not the God we love. He gives us total liberty to, and to all His earthly creations and to all His heavenly creations. Now one of those heavenly creations, those angels I talked about, became, because of his beauty and his pride and his desire to become like God, chose to rebel against him. And this angel was cast out of heaven and one third of the heavenly host went with him. And our forefather Adam, when tempted by this fallen angel, rebelled, chose to go against God's do's and don'ts, and corrupted all of God's creation which threw our home and our relationship with God into rebellion, introducing chaos and disease and decay and sin into this world that was prepared for us to not be this way. Things which God does not like or live in sin, disease, decay. This is where every one of us find ourselves today. Inheritors of the defiled spirit, God breathed into Father Adam and living in a fallen world and fallen flesh. Therefore, why are we here now has a very different answer than why we were initially created to be here. Why we are here now has a hundred billion different answers, all depending on the person you're talking to. In the least, God has given you... uh, life which we spend in this fallen and decaying circumstance. Some of this life is good, some of it is bad, but we all have been given the choice to do with it as we want. So while we're here to enjoy life and live according to how God intended us to live, the most important and pivotal issue relative to our existence is to get ourselves back to the state that God initially created us to be in, and that was to be His children In a relationship with Him. This is why we are here. Now the LDS have a very different picture of why we are here. It was their version of why we are here, more specifically their explanation of the fall and God's appreciation of the fall that got me to start to wonder and question Mormon doctrine. You see, I got to the point in my life where I wanted nothing to do with a God who sent me to a place where people, including children, are raped and murdered and imprisoned, and where most of the world lies in starvation and in desperation. I could not reconcile a belief in a God who liked this or this was His plan. What helped me to understand and ultimately receive the true and living God was to recognize that God is not the author of this fallen world or the things within it. He does not want his creations to suffer. He does not like death and disease and decay. How can anyone believe in a God who says, there, there, little one, being dragged behind a car for 13 miles because of your color is character building. It's going to test to see if you really love me. Not me. But this is the God the LDS embrace. To the LDS, Adam and Eve were courageous for breaking God's law, because to them it was the only way to bring about mortality, sin and death, into this world, so that all of us would then be forced to show God how worthy and true we are to Him by being obedient in the the face of opposition. In other words, Adam and Eve were told by God not to eat of the fruit, and they did. To Christians this is called sin. To the Latter-day Saints, it's called courage. There are several ramifications of this non-biblical stance. First, it makes the fall the will of God, which makes all sin and decay uh, that has resulted in the fall His will too. I can worship a God who, because He allows man to choose, allows things to go very badly as a result. I cannot worship a God who sends some of His spirit children to an earth that is more of a terrible nightmare than you can believe because they need to feel pain and suffering and death in order to be proven worthy of His love. Secondly, the LDS version of the fall places pain, solution. places the pain, solution, and recovery from the effects squarely upon the back of the individual. To the Christian, the recovery and solution for our state is was placed squarely and wholly upon Jesus Christ, through whom we find our comfort and our solace and our peace. If the fall was planned and good, like the LDS suggests, then we are all down here in one giant competition to prove our holiness and worthiness, and the failure to prove it is our own fault. But if the fall was evil and not required, we are all here under the burden of sin, but have a redeemer upon which we can look completely for our survival. I hope it's making sense. Which brings us to the final question, where are we going after this life? Life is interesting because it seems like it goes on for a long, long time, but at the same time, it slips through our hands like water, and before we know it, we are old, then we are dead, and then we are part, fully part of the decaying and dying world. And we disappear forever from the mortal plane. Billions upon billions of God's creations have simply disappeared. Poof, gone. Where did they go? Our bodies have been reaping the harvest of living in a sinful place, and so we experience death. Remember that breath of God that God breathed through uh, Father Adam? Well, that breath, that spirit, just like our bodies, has been corrupted and decaying because of the exposure to the conditions of this world and our own sin. When we die, this spirit should return to God who gave it. But guess what? If the spirit was corrupted from birth and it is not cleaned up and it is not cleaned up, it cannot return to God, who is the grand and holy creative fire of all things, but will instead go to a place that God prepared for those angels who rebelled against him prior to this earth being created. The Hebrews call this place Sheol, Tophet. Jesus called it Gehenna. Scripture says it's eternal, well, if we are born with corrupted spirits into a corrupted world and we leave in the same manner in which we came, we are going to these filthy we are going to live with these filthy spirits in the place that was created before the world was. There is nothing we can do to escape hell. There is no good work you can do to clean yourself up. There's no life well-lived, no good or generous heart, whether it's a life of a little sin or a life of a tremendous amount of sin. We will all be banished and sent to that place that was prepared for Satan and his angels if we don't have the sin completely and totally erased. And it's only erased through one means. Now, some people say this isn't fair. Why would God create me they say, so I can die and live eternally in hell. This doesn't sound like a good and fair and loving God to me at all, does it? The answer from me would be no, it doesn't sound like a good and nice creator if our creator was indifferent to us and uncaring and unloving like the king of this fallen world. But our God is not, is not such an uncaring and despotic God. He does not want any of us to suffer. He does not want any of us to go to that place that was created for the fallen angel. He sent His Son, God in the flesh, the creator of all things, to suffer for the conditions and sins of this fallen world. He took on the burden of sin, your sins, every single one of them and mine, and all we have to do is believe on Him and have faith on Him. In the name of Him, the Lord Yeshua, in Joshua, Jesus, Jesus. God did not say we are going to a certain kingdom if you're an uh, unforgiven liar or an unforgiven adulterer or a thief. He said you're going to hell. He said you're going to hell if you have sin that is not uh, covered. He didn't say you're going to go to a level of a kingdom. You got it wrong. That's a lie. You want to know where you're going? If you don't have the sin erased completely, you're going to hell. I just want you to know that. Now, last time we did a show on hell, I had so many people tell me that they're never watching again. I don't care. I just want you to know that if your sin is not covered completely by the blood, you're going to hell, okay? And that is a terrifying thing to consider. And don't play with it. Don't mess around and think it's not a reality. Jesus talked about it all the time. God didn't say you'll live with him if you do temple endowments. He didn't say you'll live with him if you do certain ordinances or join this institution or that. He said you have to believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Christ and you shall be saved. Where did you come from? You came from the dust of the earth and you were given the breath of life from God who started and initiated this whole scene on earth and it was a beautiful, perfect garden, Eden, and and Adam and Eve could have had children and raised them in the fellowship with God and it would, would have been right. But sin, because God allows choice, was brought into this world, but God said, this is not going to beat what I have intended. And I'm going to come down myself and I'm gonna suffer and die for you. Why are you here? To live your life more abundantly and there's only one way to live it abundantly and with joy and happiness and that is through Jesus Christ. Where are you going? To heaven if you have received him in faith and to hell if you haven't. Let's open up the phone lines, 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. Call in. Uh, We're going to go to a commercial break in about 50 seconds, and then we're going to come back and take your calls. Um, So if you call, please have a question. Please uh, make it short or brief or a comment. We want first-time callers. We want LDS people, preferably. So, and if you're a repetitive caller, if you don't have something real important to say, don't call because it jams up the phone lines and we aren't able to give to that. Now listen, before we go to those lines, I just want to tell you, before we go to the break, let me just tell you this. You don't need me. You don't need a pastor or anything to be able to have this relationship, to be forgiven of your sins, past, present, and the future for the remainder of your life. You go to the Lord, you ask Him to forgive you of your sin, to become the Lord of your life, and that you will wait on Him to give you a mighty change of heart, be born again, and He will do it. So give that a chance tonight. Let's go to the break. We'll be back in a second. Well, we're back, and we're going to go to Lane in Salt Lake City on line two. Lane, you're on Heart of the Matter. Uh,
2: yeah, am I, am I on the air right
1: now? You're on the air, Lane. Okay, my question is uh, concerning, uh, I've heard
0: this thing about the law of consecration, and my, my question is, uh, law of the the law of consecration is a lot like uh, soviet communism as far as i've read and when i was in seminary in high school they had taught me that it was different from communism but when i look at things and i see if you replace the government with the mormon church in utah then you have essentially the same thing a religious communism i wonder if you could comment on the law of consecration
1: i've uh... just to let people know the law of consecration uh, was where everybody gave all of their goods in a community. If you had a community of a hundred people, they all gave in and they distributed, uh, to the people equally. And, uh, and so what Lane is saying is he feels like that's more like communism. I don't know why the LDS would refute that. I mean, what would did Carl's, Karl Marx say? He said something to the effect of, uh, well, something like everybody does their part and everybody takes what they need, and it's the very same concept. But you see, communism under a, a righteous ruler, under a um, theocratic king, is kind of what a picture of what Christianity was like. I mean, the early church, they tried to live that, and uh, Ananias and, who was it, Ananias and Sapphira? Yeah, they, they got killed because they lied about uh, about it. So many, I, I think that the intention is right, and I think in the heavenly world, it's right. But I don't think it's going to ever play out here on this earth because we're still in the flesh, and it still brings forth jealousies and, and all the deceit that can come with material things. But the LDS, LDS church, it didn't work for them either. I mean, it failed miserably, and that's why they don't practice it. World, well, you got to turn that TV down, Lane. We're going to go on to Grant on line three. Grant, you're on Heart of the Matter.
2: Uh, yes. My question is, uh, God created us from the dust of the earth. And so what is our purpose? What is his reasoning for creating us? Just his own
1: pleasure? Well, uh, a couple things, uh, Grant. First of all, God is creation. He creates and that is part and parcel of his nature. Just like justice is part and parcel, all love, he's a creator, he creates. And so I don't think he sits back and says, I'm going to create only things that are going to be successful. I think he says, I'm going to create and give life and opportunity and create. So he created this world and it fell into sin. His original plan was to have fellowship with man who he created in his image. And uh, and that fellowship part fell away because sin was introduced and God doesn't dwell in sinful, unclean places. And so we had to have a Redeemer come and redeem us. And so uh, that that is exactly how it seems to be. I, I think that He created us to have fellowship. The world fell into sin. And uh, now He seeks fellowship through us when people are reunited through Him through the faith in His Son. Does that make any sense? Uh, well, really...
2: We, what, what is really our, uh, what do we gain from this? I mean, what do we have to look forward to?
1: Well, let me ask you this. Uh, from a very basal level, have you ever had a really good cheeseburger? Oh, yeah. Okay, so you've gained already in living and enjoying some of the things this earth provides. Already, forgetting about anything else he's given you life, where before you didn't have life, and He's created you in His image and He's given you an opportunity not only to eat that cheeseburger but to eat heavenly cheeseburgers for eternity in some realm that is even greater. So, it's, I think that your position or your question is somewhat self-serving as what's in it for us, life is in it for you, and the opportunity to have eternal life.
2: Well, some people don't have a very good life. You're
1: right. And that is the result of sin being brought into this world. This is my problem with Mormonism, is that when I look at somebody who is missing limbs from birth and can't move or talk and lives in India and starves to death by the time they're four, by their father beating them in addition to that, I look at Mormon's plan of salvation and think, and God said they had to come down here to to learn and grow and, and learn to be obedient and prove themselves? I can't resonate to that God, but I can resonate to that poor suffering soul in India who is in this body, and it came because of man's actions, because of Satan and sin, and God offers himself as an answer and a solution to those problems. That God I can relate to. Okay. Does that help? A little bit. All right, my friend. Thanks for calling. Okay. Okay, bye. We're going to Doral in West Valley. Doral, you're on Heart of the Matter. Oh, how you doing, Sean? you doing well, Doral. Hey, uh, have you got your uh, that one
3: program on the, the Radio 820? Is that in order now? It, for about the first three weeks, it was the same show.
1: So, uh, what, you know what happened? We had some of our shows crack. It goes all the way to North Carolina. And... Um, I probably stepped on them as they were going in the mail, and so we had a little problem, but we're fixing that. But I think tonight, tonight it was last week's show. Yeah, we're one behind with them. It's not live on the radio. It right. just plays.
3: Well, I just needed to
1: ask you a few things about your narration
3: on uh, why or how man came about. Okay. So, I, As I understand it, your, uh, your God had existed for an infinite number of eternities, All by itself, and then uh, decided to make man. So he took a chunk of nothing and made the earth, the universe, and the cosmos, and
1: the earth. Did you just say a chunk of nothing?
3: Well, okay, out of nothing. And then he decided to make man out of nothing.
1: No, he made man out of the dust of the earth.
3: Okay. And uh, now the uh, the God, uh, well, I suppose, would be self. Fulfilling, that, is that
1: Self-existent one, yes.
3: Didn't need anything. Didn't need any love. Didn't need any companionship. Didn't need any.
1: No, I don't. I don't read. I don't ever read in the Bible it's saying that. Well, uh, that sounds to me like theology that you've absorbed somewhere. Well, so we we're assuming that, that. And you know what happens when we assume, Doral? The, the, tr- the
3: Trinity, our God, had existed for an infinite number of eternities without anything else, so it must not have needed anything.
1: Well, how do you know it's without anything else, first of all? It's what? How do you know that the Trinity existed without anything else, first of all? What else was there? Well, I, I'm not going to try to contemplate or explain to you, with my limited mind, what there was. Okay, well, let's, let's, let's go by, by that for a minute. All right. So then, uh, here we have
3: man. Now, uh, and you're not willing to say that, that, that the Trinity or God didn't need anything. But at any rate, well, they had each other. What it what it did, it it ended up creating man, which ha- his creation has a ninety eight percent chance of failure. Ninety eight percent of them are going to fail and go to hell.
1: Okay, now, I don't know where you get that figure, but I'm saying okay to keep it going. That that uh, that means that either
3: either the Trinity or God didn't know what he was doing, or else it had a. It
1: had a uh, morbid sense of uh, of. Well, see the problem with also, your ar- it, it, it Doral. Was- the problem with your argument, and let's just stick on this one before we go to the next okay. caller. The problem with your argument you, is wh- okay. Oh, the wait, argument no, is- no, wait, wait, wait. You know, I got. I let you explain the chunk of nothing and all that. The problem with your argument is in what you're saying here is that God should have created a a world and universe where nothing ever fails. Because if one soul is lost, according to what you're implying here, then God was, didn't really know what he was doing. You see, and so I think you would agree, though, even in the LDS context, that some souls are lost. Well, but, it, but it, isn't that what, from the evangelical point of view, isn't that what
3: God or the Trinity ended up doing, was making a creation that could not fail, that, uh, that in, in, in the resurrection then God or the Trinity creates a being that is perfect, that cannot sin, cannot have a bad thought, can't do anything but have absolute pleasure, joy, and total fulfillment, and worship God implicitly and completely. And so the point is that since we know that that your God or the Trinity can do this, because according to evangelicalism, when a person dies, his... uh, Body goes to nothing,
1: and there is no spirit or soul. Okay, wait a second, the rest- Doral. You're you're saying things that I have never heard, or nor do I believe. We don't know much about after this life, except I hasn't ear, eye hasn't seen, and ear hasn't heard the glories that await them that believe. Now, as far as bodies dissimilating and and turning into nothing and all this stuff, that sounds like just rhetoric. I go by the Word and the Word says nothing of what you just said. What is is the resurrection then? Uh, The resurrection is is coming back to life in a, a body and how that is going to take place. We have different levels of resurrection according to Paul, different glories, there's better resurrections. I truly don't know. Is the body that gets laid down on the ground, is that the one that comes back in the resurrection? It does, but we don't know if it comes back in the same exact form because in resurrected beings, for instance in Jesus' case, they didn't recognize who he was. And these are people who knew him intimately. So we're not sure exactly if it comes back like the Book of Mormon says, every hair of your head and all the same things that Joseph postulated. It could be, we could come back with, you know, Maybe we have wings or something. I don't know. But so
3: you don't think in the resurrection that God just goes out and grabs some more nothing and makes a new person
1: out of it? <laughs> oh gosh, you're funny, Doral. Look, at, I'm sorry, but you're just trying to. You're, you're just not really being good here. You're trying to try to trap me in something, but it's not working.
3: I, I, I always thought that's what evangelicals believe. Well, you thought wrong. But so you think that in the resurrection, then that the same body that's laid down is joined with the spirit which continues on after
1: death. I think a body will rise up. I just don't know what that body would be like. When a
3: person dies, does the spirit or soul continue on living? Of course. The spirit or soul does continue on living. Where would it come from?
1: from? From God's breath.
3: From God's breath. Yeah. So so from God's breath, then that spirit was created out of God's breath. Yeah. And it continues on forever. Yes. But you don't believe the parts of the Bible that says the soul that sleep of it shall die.
1: You're talking about soul sleep, and that's a very vague term that has been misinterpreted many times. Uh, but there's there are quite... Wait, let's just get to the point. We call this heart of the matter for a reason. What are you trying to get to? What's your total point here? I,
3: well, I my point was that that uh, it would appear like that, that, your, that your God or your the Trinity should have had the capability of creating a man who could not fail.
1: Okay, well, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, Doral, you can take that up with him, okay? Well, right, We're going to let you go, man. We're moving on. Let's go to Miguel and Wes, uh, Art in Orem. Art, you're on Heart of the Matter.
2: Hi, how are
1: you? Hi, Art, doing well. Turn your TV down. Yes. Yeah. Art? Having challenges with the phone. Okay. All right, Art. You're on the air. Okay. Hello? Hi, Art. I can't.
2: I can barely hear
1: you. Art, you're on the air.
2: Okay. I'm talking.
1: Yeah, I can't hear him. No? You, can you hear me now, Art? I can hear you, yeah. Okay. You talk. Okay, I'm talking. Okay, talk. Hi. Talk, Art. Okay. Art, talk.
2: I'm qu- talking. Oh, Sean? Yes. <laughs> Sean. I was wondering, uh, okay, why would they put Adam and Eve, or the whole world on? On why would he put the sins of Adam and Eve on the whole world for a million, for millions
4: of people?
1: Well, he didn't put the sins of the whole world on Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve but, brought sin into the world through their own respective actions.
2: All right, but why would he make everybody after that go through that?
1: Well, why would he make everybody after that go through it without Adam and Eve having sinned? We go through it one way or another. Well, but, okay. Let's
2: say Adam and Eve didn't sin, but like the tenth one born did.
1: Okay. So if that was the case, the world would fall into decay, and uh, and the same thing would result. Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: Alright, yeah. so it didn't, it didn't matter where it started. Once it started, it had to continue.
1: Yeah, and it's just that, Adam, it just shows the frailty of, of man in our flesh is while we're created in God's image and we have a spirit and a soul and a body and we had direct communion with God, it doesn't necessarily matter when you have freedom of choice. We know that the angels of heaven, we know that Lucifer was created beautifully and was, uh, was, was full of light and, uh, and all those things, and yet he fell in the very presence of God. So freedom of choice is a funny thing. That pride word is a funny thing when it comes to freedom of choice. And so, you know, whether it was Adam or whether it was Eve or whether it was their children or their grandchildren, once sin was brought into the world, we're under the condemnation of sin and it needed a Savior to come and pull us out of it. Okay. Does that help?
2: Yeah, that sure did. I just had a friend of mine asking about it. so.
1: Yeah, give him that one back See I see how it goes. Yeah, oh all right. Thanks. All right Art, thanks. Okay, bye. We're going to Michael and Ogden on line four. Michael, you're on Heart of the Matter. Uh yeah. Turn your T V down, Michael.
5: It is done. Okay. Oh. oh, all right. I've got to do it down now, Sean. So listen, um, I want to make a comment to Art first off. Um <laughs> I think my personal theory is it comes down through the DNA of the the sin. Uh, That's my personal theory. It's just within us, the flesh, and it comes down like that. Uh, And uh, the problem with uh, a lot of LDS folks, uh, they have a good heart, but um, they—they—and correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, but they—they try to intellectualize everything and try to understand God. Now, my question is this for you, because I don't know the answer. Um, I have a good Mormon friend, and he told me something a couple days ago that blew me away. I was talking about the Virgin Mary and some of the saints of the Old Testament, and I said, they're in heaven. And he said, no, they're not. Nobody's in heaven. And I said, whoa, wait a minute. What are you talking about? I've never heard this doctrine before in the LDS. And uh, this is a man that's been in the church and was a missionary. He's probably 60 years old. And he said, no. He said, no. I said, you mean to tell me Joseph Smith is not in heaven? And he said, no. They're in the spirit world right now. So, what in the world is he talking about? And I'll just, do I need to get off the phone or do you want to ask a question?
1: uh, Just turn your TV on, I'll answer off the air. Okay, sounds great. Okay, bye-bye. There's kind of a double standard within the church of where people are. For instance, there are quotes that talk about Joseph Smith now being in heaven. There's even a song that sings about him uh, mingling with God, he now plans for his brethren. so but they have that idea you know that people are dying they're in heaven with their family. But I think if you look at it real doctrinally. What they believe is there's a, uh, there's a paradise and there's a, a, a paradisical place where the righteous go. And it's not until after the judgment, uh, the final judgment occurs, where you're going to enter into either the celestial, the telestial, or terrestrial realm. And so that's what that person is referring to. And I am pretty sure, uh, uh, doctrinally, your friend is correct that that is truly the teaching that you are in paradise or prison until the final judgment, which they believe is the great white throne where everybody's going to be judged according to their works as in Revelation 3, and then they will go to one of those kingdoms or to outer darkness. Um, And so that's the the teaching. Okay, so let's and and just to let you know on the Christian side The great white throne judgment is going to happen to those people who are going to come up Hell's going to release her dead the judgment will come, but it has nothing to do with the Christians The Christians will be taken up. They will enjoy the uh, uh, life with the bride of Christ the Christians will come back with Christ to usher in the millennium and that is going to occur through a taking up or a rapture So the Christians are not part of the great white throne judgment. And if you read the scriptures carefully, you'll see that's the case. Now, will Christian's works be judged? Absolutely. But they're judged on what's called the Bema Seat in the Greek and what it is it's like being uh, crowned for an Olympic race and your works are gonna be laid on an altar and they're gonna burn as haywood or stubble and or they're going to survive because they're gonna be a precious metal like gold or silver and if they retain if they remain on the altar after the fire you're going to be given crowns for that those works you did that is the judgment the Christians will be going through and they're going to receive rewards for their works that they did out of the goodness and love of their heart but the great white throne judgment is something completely different. Okay, let's go to Nate in Riverdale. First-time caller. Nate, you're on Heart of the Matter. <clears throat> hey, how's it going, Sean? Going good, Nate. How are you?
4: Good, good. Hey, I just had a, a couple comments on, uh, you know, the reason that God created us and uh, our purpose and what we're supposed to be doing while we're here. And, uh, okay. I not think of any verses right off my head, but maybe you can back me up with some verses that might come to your mind. Okay. Uh, I believe our purpose for God creating us is for His glory. And, uh, you know, the purpose for us being here is to glorify and worship Him. And when we're not worshiping Jesus Christ, then, you know, we're either worshiping false gods or false Christs or even ourselves. So, I mean, God has created us as beings of worship and and ultimately that's what we do. So we just got to make sure that we're worshiping the thing that deserves the worship, which is Jesus Christ.
1: So Nathan, let me restate your comment and ask you if if this is correct in what you're saying. You believe that we were created to glorify God, so we were created to worship God uh, throughout our life and that's why he gave us life.
4: I believe that he created us as beings of worship so if we're not worshiping Jesus Christ ultimately we're worshiping something else and that's why you know it says clearly that God is a jealous God so if we're not worshiping him
1: yeah I don't dispute that that at all I mean I know that I mean ultimately what God wants for us is to have a worshipful relationship where we praise and give him the glory and honor but I don't know that that uh, answers the question why were we created if you say, God created us to be here to just worship Him, then I think that takes away from much of what Jesus did when He was on earth. Jesus lived an abundant life. Jesus had friends. Jesus lived life. It, uh, he Of course, of above all things, and first and foremost, worshiped the Lord. But if, when a Christian tells somebody that the reason you were created was to worship God, it's, it's so far out of context with where they are in their life and where, what life is that it's a difficult thing to say for there to be true understanding. Now, I know in the end, you're right, I wish that's all I could do. But uh, I don't think that we were created in order to be, what, how some people would view this, as minions who do nothing but worship. I think he right. gave us life to have life abundantly, but the only way you can have true abundant life is through worshiping him. Does that, make, does that distinction make any sense?
4: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, we all fall short. I mean, I don't know of anybody who worships God 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Right, right but
1: yeah well i hope we do within our hearts that's maybe what you're what you're saying is that within our hearts is heart, always but there. i mean yeah yeah
4: i believe in our hearts i mean god has created us to worship him that's what we're here for for his yeah. glory
1: okay my friend thank you for the input yep okay bye bye we're going to robert in spanish fork first time caller robert you're in heart of the matter Adi. hi i'm Yeah, I just
3: wanted to go on with uh, what the last caller just said. If you'd go to Isaiah
1: 43-7. Do you have it? Yeah. Read it to us. It says, even everyone that is called by my name, I have created him
3: for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. And, you know, uh, with the last guy, you know, it is for his glory, but worship is not the only way that we can give him glory. Right and many ways that
1: we can give Him glory. That's a great verse. I really appreciate it, Robert. You're welcome. Thanks so much. God bless. Up the good work. Thanks. Bye-bye. Let's go to Tracy in Salt Lake City, first-time caller on line four. Tracy, you're on Heart of the Matter. I have a question for you. Yes.
0: I am a recovered Mormon, so I call myself an (laughs) R.M. Okay. Okay. And I do study different religions. There are Christians out there who... Firmly, firmly believe in reincarnation. Really, that they have lived other lives and they've been they've come back for whatever reason. And the different religions, such as Hinduism, does believe in that. For the Christians out there who do believe in reincarnation and are having trouble finding their inner peace with Christianity, and yet firmly believe in this issue. What is your take on this, and how does it fit into that we have many lives yeah. beyond the time that we live here on this present earth, and that there are worlds without number?
1: Yeah, Tracy, I, I would uh, say that it's a, it's a heretical teaching. It's, it's false, and it's not biblical. If it was in the manual of Christianity, then we could have some dispute, but it's just not. In fact, it's refuted. You know, uh, and so we are—we are given life, and then comes death, and that reoccurring theme is throughout the Bible. So, if you have run into Christians who say they are Christians and believe that they are, like anything, they are just an offshoot group or individual who has brought in a doctrine that is not uh, part of the Christian belief uh, system or doctrine. So, in all
0: those other religions, that such as Hinduism, who yeah. believe in. Reincarnation, who are also preaching love and who actually believe Jesus Christ was a prophet, who reincarnated three times.
1: Well, it's 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 they are
0: basing that on beliefs that are not correct to Christianity, correct?
1: If yeah, because if it was if it's not part of the manual that the Christians go by, then you what you start to develop is something that is not the truth according to what Christians believe, and what I believe. And so, if you take Jesus and say, well, you know, it says here, I am the way, the truth, and the life, but then somebody outside of it says, he's the way, the truth, and the life, along with Buddha. They just add that, along with Buddha, three words. I mean, it automatically changes the whole context of what the manual teaches. So even though there are people who love and there are people who do believe Jesus was a prophet and everything else, if it skews what the manual teaches, the Christians True Christians are not going to embrace it. They, they just won't. And uh, that's why we have the manual that we go by. So if you
0: have a Christian who truly believes they've been reincarnated, for whatever reason, they firmly, yeah. to the marrow of their bone, believe it, what is your advice on how to figure out what they really well my
1: advice would to go to the the word and to say well let's talk about your let's i'd probably go back to their first their belief about god and i would just systematically go through their doctrinal positions And at some point in time, I would find some chinks that are going to culminate in this errant belief in a reincarnation. And it would just show you how they went off this straight path and they started to veer and more and more and more and finally they arrived at the destination called, I believe I was reincarnated being. So if it were me, I would talk to them about what the Bible teaches, what their theology is, what their doctrine is, and ultimately get to the source of where they have suddenly come to this belief that they are reincarnated people. I hope that helps my, my friend.
0: I think it's a very interesting philosophy and I appreciate your candor on that
1: subject. Thanks. I so- love the
0: show. It cracks me up and I think you're doing a great service.
1: Thanks Tracy. God bless you. Good night. Bye. Let's go to Teresa in Taylorsville. First time caller. Teresa you're on Heart of the Matter.
6: Hello Sean how are you doing?
1: Hi well how are you?
6: I'm good. I didn't know if I was going to get on tonight. Um, you're on. I just want to thank you so much for giving me truth in a, in a way that's humorous. You are, you're so humorous, Sean, and I just so appreciate that. I've been reading a book about body language, and uh, it says that if if we laugh, it's like an aerobic workout.
1: <laughs> I need to do more laughing. <laughs> it
6: does things to our body that just... That just um, uh the things that are really healthy. It's a healing thing. Huh. Well, God God wants us God wants us to do that. Psalm ninety one. If you dwell in me, I, I, He gives us a promise, and He just He just tells us that you dwell in me, everything's going to fall off the side. You're going to walk through storms. You're going to walk through all this stuff, but dwell in me, and the and you will get, uh, you will feel joy. Uh, truth is. You know, it's happy. Yeah. It's it's understanding what what he is trying to do for us, and worship is happy. It's it's just. Uh, I just thank you for uh, giving me truth and helping me see the difference between the two. I always felt like I was a a uh, reject <laughs> from the LDS church, and I never felt good enough. Yeah. And I've been a Christian now for about five years, and uh, it's just so so warming. Thank you. Oh,
1: thank you so much. Thanks for the call. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. God bless. Bye-bye. Listen, uh, I'm going to try to take this call. I'm sorry, Bruce. You're a first-time caller, but you've only got 30 seconds.
4: Hey, John. I appreciate you. I've listened to your program for a long time. Quick question. I'll hang up. Okay. Um, how do people who have not heard of the gospel, who lived in the past and history and in other parts of the world um, how do they avoid going to hell if they have not asked for forgiveness from Jesus in other words not know about Christianity I'm gonna let you answer that and I'll hang up and uh, get
1: your answer on. It. appreciate it thanks Bruce that bye in a nutshell the biggest answer in the world and you know we're about 30 seconds look at Romans says nature speaks to them God is not the kind of God who says Uh, you know, you, you didn't get to hear you are in hell. I don't believe that at all. I believe that if they resonated to God in nature, they resonated to the law written on their heart, and they said to God in their own way, God, help me, they would be safe because Jesus was God. Now, some people are gonna get really upset with this, but I haven't had time to really formulate it. We're five seconds left. Next week, we'll continue on with that question. God bless.
0: I'm gonna break, I'm gonna break my, gonna break my rusty cage.